Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. We're talking with uh, David Wilson. Uh, David Wilson has a 28-year history in public education, bachelor of science degree in general business, and a master's degree in general science, certified to teach physics, chemistry, biology, or earth space science in three states. He did teach at Murphy High School, including general physics, honors physics, advanced placement physics for college prep, two courses in chemistry at Tri-County Community College. His advanced placement physics class successfully launched and recovered a photographic payload payload into the stratosphere using a weather balloon and a camera and tracking device. So David is my guest on Freedom Forum Radio. We're talking about the hoax of climate change and all the different aspects of that hoax. And so we were just talking um, we were just talking about fossil fuels and how efficient they are. And we were also talking about how so many products that we use without even thinking about it come from fossil fuels. Let's continue that line of discussion. Okay. Uh, Thank you, Dr. Dan. Uh, We take for granted that we have uh, a lot of nice things in our life, and we have nice automobiles that can carry us to places. We have means of transportation that can get us to and fro. We can stay warm in the wintertime. And it seems to me that these people that are pushing this agenda seem to think that they can just get rid of all this stuff and replace it with what's called green energy. And we had a recent snowstorm in Texas, Dr. Dan. People died because they had shifted over to this green energy. And their philosophy was get rid of fossil fuels, replace it with solar power, replace it with other forms of energy that just didn't work. And when that uh, if you want to call it a freak storm, it was a very unusual storm that did down as low as Texas. People were hurting because their windmills and their their uh, solar cells just didn't work in those temperatures, and people died because of that. And that's an important lesson. You know, uh, I, I heard an interesting comment uh, not too long ago, and that is, Green energy is not a bad concept. No, it's not. Sustainable, renewable energy from solar power or wind and stuff like that, that's good if you can do it. The, the problem is, is that that industry is, so, is, is such in its, it's in its infancy. And there is no way that we are at all ready 
to replace our power grids, our, our fossil fuels and our use of diesel and gasoline and all this other kind of petroleum products, there's no way we are ready and able to do that. There may be someday in the future, but right now, the only way you can sell an electric car is if the government subsidizes it. I was going to mention the subsidies. And, and so the comment I heard, which was was really a, a kind of interesting to hear, was uh, that was when the first Model T rolled off the production line, people didn't run around shooting their horses. <laughs> That's great. And it's true. I mean, there was a transition period. Yeah, we're, we're not all riding horses around to work like, like they did back, you know, 100 years ago or so. But there was a transition period. We are not at the point where we can transition to non-fossil uh, fuel energy and still have an economy. That's that correct. works. Um, when I was teaching physics, I would draw attention to the fact in order to get high amounts of voltage out of the solar power, you have to have a huge array of solar cells. So I would ask the audience, do you really want to invest in a power grid where your entire mountain is covered with solar cells to run your town? Do you really want to invest in something where everywhere you go down the road you see solar cells, the scenery is blocked, and this stuff works fine when it's sunny, but at night it just seems to turn off? Well, and the interesting thing, of course, with solar power and even with wind power is storage of energy. That's correct. It is one of the most difficult things you can do is try to store energy. It's just, right. just very difficult. It's a lot easier to store diesel fuel than it is and gasoline than it is to, to, to store electricity from these so-called green sources. You mentioned um, some places uh, would benefit by using this. <clears throat> we would agree with that. On the coast, for example, where you have a lot of wind, that's fine if you want to put up some uh, windmills. But one of the things they're not talking about is that these windmills, <clears throat> number one, when it does get cold, they tend to stop working. And also a thing that's not mentioned about, and the, the environmentalists are all into you know protecting the environment and protecting animals, which I agree with 100%. But these things kill birds. They kill protected birds. And they also make a tremendous amount of noise. So do you want to trade your peaceful coastal environment for a very noisy environment? Well, again, it comes down to that transition. What are you willing to give up in the transition course? And, and the, the fact is, it's, it's just wrong to sacrifice human beings, to sacrifice the human lifestyle that we have come that's that's actually saves lives and is of benefit to us as human beings. That cannot be it is not morally justified to sacrifice that for some kind of a pipe dream that we're gonna reduce the temperature on Earth by half a degree. A very expensive pipe dream. A very expensive pipe dream. So we never haven't talked yet about something which I know is dear to you and uh, David Wilson. And we are talking with David Wilson, a, a science teacher with a lot of experience. Let's talk about the scientific method. That's obviously totally missing here. <clears throat> Dr. Dan, when I was teaching science, this is a standard that we started with. It was something I was trained with as I went through school and my science degrees. 
the scientific method was developed over a long period of time. There was a time in man's history when we did not have the scientific method. You would go to your local priest, you would go to some local witch doctor, and you would ask him to predict the future or to get some help, and that's what would happen. You would now be at their mercy. Over time, starting with Galileo, we developed a scientific method. Now, for the audience who doesn't understand that, the scientific method is a way of solving problems. And so if you have a problem or if you want to make uh, some advancements in some field, you might have a hunch. You might have a guess as to what would happen if I tried something. And so the scientific method is, generally speaking, there's no one way to do it, but generally speaking, you start out with an idea and then you start making observations. And with your idea, you kind of uh, write things down and you record what you see and you sort of collect data as you go along. Most of the time you collect data. And when you do, you can use that data to take measurements and make predictions. Now, with the scientific method, it eliminates a lot of the hocus pocus stuff that we had before because you have raw data. The scientific method then is used to write up a report. And I want to emphasize something that I think is missing today. When you have a true scientific method and people write up a report on some topic, and since we're talking about climate change, we'll use that. It is, the scientific method is designed to be attacked. People have to attack it. They have to try to destroy your idea. Now that may sound counterintuitive, but if you're out there trying to prove your idea and everybody's on board and agreeing with you, it may not be right. You may have developed something like a, a, a new medicine or something like that, and you're all on board and you think it'll work, you start giving it to people. You can't do that. You have to actually collect data and you have to have people that are willing to stand up and say, look, this may not be right. And so you go to the drawing board again and you try to develop a new idea that will sort of hold water better. And so you develop it, people try to poke holes in it, and if it doesn't hold water, that's fine. You go back and develop another idea. And the point is you continue to do this over a period of time until all the arguments and all the criticisms and all the things that they used to attack, the critiques, don't work anymore. And you've essentially proven something then and you've got something. But what we have today is a situation where people uh, in science, and I regret it greatly, they have abandoned the method and they've abandoned the argument. And science and the scientific method is designed to have an argumented process where you have people on one side arguing for, you have people on the other side arguing against, and you try to come together. But right now, the discussion is being shut down. You either are on board with this or you're out. What you're talking about here is critically important. It's called peer-reviewed scientific literature. That's correct. That means you, after you do your experiments, you write a paper, and it's reviewed by members of your profession. Who are qualified to Who are qualified to review it, and their job is to poke holes in what you're saying or to say, I don't believe this. Can you prove it? And the other thing, the other part of the scientific method is this paper, this experiment that you design has to be repeatable yes. by someone else in your profession. One of the one of the so-called scientific uh, experiments uh, that started this whole thing off was that hockey stick 
graft uh, from about 50 years ago or 40 years ago, uh, where they measured the distance between the rings uh, of trees, and they they so said that uh, that climate change uh, started with the industrial revolution. Uh, that data, the original data, was lost, was never found, and no one has ever been able to reproduce that experiment. And yet it's used as the gold standard for the Industrial Revolution starting climate change. I think there's a pretty famous guy named Al Gore that presented a hockey stick. And uh, the audience doesn't, I'm sure, doesn't follow this kind of stuff as closely as we do. But the hockey stick graph looks like a horizontal line in ancient times. And as you approach modern times, it suddenly shoots up. And what they're trying to show is that over time, with more CO2, you get a greater amount of warming. Well, what they don't tell people is that 99% of that graph was taken without a thermometer. It was inferred. Those temperatures were inferred. We don't have those actual numbers back then. We have an inference of what we think they were. And then suddenly the graph shoots up. So my question is this. I would ask uh, Mr. Gore or anyone else, when you look at a graph and you see carbon dioxide plotted against temperature, they always say, ah, look, carbon dioxide is driving temperature. Can't you see it matches? Well, my question would be, really? Can you tell me why the temperature is not driving the carbon dioxide? Have you thought of that? And no one to this day has yet to be yet to answer that that question because they don't know which is driving which. And that's another thing is when they show all these graphs, who's to say what's cause and what's effect? That's correct. And, too many and there's too many variables, and and just because two things change together. That doesn't mean they're changing because of the same reason. You have, in science, you have to be very careful about causation. If you assign something as a cause, you're putting yourself out on a limb. And this is a very tricky thing. And a good scientist won't do that. A good scientist makes uh, statements about this could be. Or a good scientist will say it's possible. And a good scientist will be open to discussion. But what you have here, especially with this stuff like the hockey stick data, oh, no, none of that. This is definitely caused by carbon dioxide. So you, what you've done you've thrown out the scientific method. Actually, what was happening back there is that the carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide levels were going down, endangering plant life. If it weren't for the Industrial Revolution, plants would have died out. We would have been starving to death. But yeah, it raises a really fascinating point about, about thermometers. How do people measure temperature way back then? Well, um, without a thermometer, thousands or millions of years ago, you have to do other things. And, of course, you can count tree rings and you can look at the growth rate of the ring. If it's wide, it, it grew well, had a lot of rainfall, that kind of thing. But another thing that you do is ice core data. And when you look at ice core data, uh, there is a thing called VARVES, V-A-R-V-E-S. And so over a period of thousands and thousands of years, snow will compact because of gravity. The more that it snows, the heavier it gets, the more it compacts. So they go back and look at these <clears throat> ancient uh, samples of ice, and what they find are isotopes of hydrogen. And ordinary hydrogen is called protium. It has one proton. 
And for the people in the audience that maybe have had my class, they remember that. So one proton, it's the simplest of all the elements. If you find deuterium, it's do means two, you have two. Uh, items in the nucleus, a proton and a neutron, is heavier. So what that means for the audience is that if they're finding this ice with deuterium, what that means is the sun in the past was much hotter. It was able to pick up this heavier water and transport it to the pole where it precipitated out as ice and snow. And so that in itself proves that we had climate change way back in the day. We already know that that there's been climate change since Earth was formed. So two things I want to get to. Uh, I want you to summarize uh, what our discussion has been. Uh, but before, there are some sources that you have, that you have used in your preparations and in your, your studies of climate change. So what are the sources? And then what are your summary? Dr. Dan, I want to recommend people, and everyone likes YouTube. I like YouTube, and, and, and unless they're shutting down the conservatives, I don't like that. But uh, I want to recommend Dr. Richard Lindzen, and I'm going to spell it for you so you can write it down, L-I-N-D-Z-E-N, Dr. Richard Lindzen. He, was an MI, he is an MIT scientist, uh, retired, I think, now. Uh, go to YouTube, listen to his presentation. He is a definite skeptic. And Dr. William Happer, Princeton University. Anthony Watts from a PBS interview. He's a meteorologist. And there is a video that I want to recommend. It's called The Great Global Warming Swindle. And you can get that on DVD or you can uh, download it or rent it. And you can also uh, research... Dr. Freeman Dyson, who's a Princeton scientist and also a skeptic. So in summary, I would say CO2, a very wonderful gas that God has given us, has been demonized. And I regret that it's been demonized, and I regret that the scientific method has been trampled upon. Uh, and I also regret in my field, when I look at the literature, all the kids have, the only thing they have access to when they go online, essentially, is stuff that pushes the global uh, warming idea. And that's, uh, it shuts down critical thinking. So... You as a as a teacher, uh, you have a regret, uh, and that is I share that regret, and that is our students are not being given the facts, and they are being forced to accept ideas that are not facts. That's a dangerous thing. It's a very dangerous thing. <clears throat> If you know history, you know this has happened before. People, uh, governments have attacked their own people. They've done it with propaganda. They presented lies as truth. They presented ideas as if it were true, uh, when in fact it's not. And we see the same situation today where information is being presented to people as if it were true with no argumentation. And it's very interesting when you have scientists that have bought into this, and I'll very quickly wrap up with a statement. I'm not going to call his name, but a friend of mine, he's in this county, former a retired teacher at University of Wisconsin. His uh, doctoral students could not get funding on their projects unless they mentioned that they were trying to stop climate change. And that's a fact. 
Well, David Wilson, this has been a most challenging and interesting discussion of a, really a critically important topic. The freedom of every single individual in our country is at risk because of this subject, because of the lies that are being told about climate change and by what the global elite are trying to do to rob us of our freedom, our safety, our livelihoods, and everything else that we hold dear. So, David Wilson, thank you so very much for being a guest on Freedom Forum Radio. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Yeah, when I play the hoochie coochie man, I get joy in everything. Everything, everything, everything.